1: Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden. But it's not Sweden that we're talking about today. It's my good friend, Miles Weiss. Many of you that have listened to our podcast before probably know him by name. If you don't, uh, he's one of my good friends. I absolutely love talking together with him. He's in California at the time, I think. Miles, you still with us? I am here. Hey, brother, where are you gracing us with your presence from today?
0: I am somewhere in California. Okay. The uh, communist country in California.
1: PRC California. Yes. The People's Republic of California. It's, uh, it's, California. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of my favorite places on earth. I hate... That there's been such a control over California. Because, I, you know, my wife and I, we talk about, you know, where we might want to retire. And we, we think about different areas. I'm actually calling you from a remote cabin that we have in northern Sweden. It's kind of our little coronavirus getaway. And uh, it, we're, com- we're away from everybody. But we're surrounded by about six, no joke, at least six feet of snow around our house. So we have to dig our way in and out and it's still snowing like every day. So if global warming is hitting, brother, it has not arrived where we're at. But I understand. Still, California is one of my favorite places on earth. I mean, you can be on the beach, go skiing all in the same day. Um, you guys have mate just no bugs, no mosquitoes. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Where when you go up north, where you're at, you almost need a sweater every day. It's—I'm I'm a sweater weather kind of guy.
0: Mm-hmm. We absolutely love California. When I preach around the world, I tell people, because everybody wants it to fall into the ocean because we, we've been so corrupted. And so it seems like we're so uh, just so um, dissolute. But I tell people, hey, I have a great idea. Why don't you try praying for us instead of against us? <laughs> and well, we, we just absolutely love it. And we see pockets of revival in California. We see uh, this last election we had on uh, Tuesday, two Tuesdays ago. We had an election, and the tax every the whole state voted against higher taxes, which is awesome. That is you know, awesome. We, we're not being we're not being as manipulated by the, the wording in the elect, in the ballots. We're not being as manipulated by the this understanding that somehow the government's going to fix it because the government is, does nothing. And we have some serious problems here, but we believe that there's revival. coming to California, we're standing for it.
1: Uh, for those, and that, I, I are, those, for those that are, for those that are new me. listeners, can you just introduce yourself? Yeah. Talk about, you know, the ministry that you're involved in and, and your background a little bit.
0: Sure. So uh, I am a Jewish believer in Jesus. I was born in the old country, New York City, and I was raised in a conservative home. We had a kosher home. We went to my my parents and uncles helped build this local synagogue. I went to Hebrew school three days a week. For <clears throat> Mitzvah. <clears throat> Excuse me, Eugene.
1: No problem. Do you uh, got coronavirus? Like, <laughs> uh, no, I
0: don't think so. I think it's just, uh, uh, allergies, hay fever. I never had it in my life. I moved to California, got hay fever. <laughs> okay, so, so uh, Scott Barr, I smoked my first joint and went to a serious decline. 20 years of lostness including drugs and alcohol and excessively and then soup and super spiritualism with the occult and eastern religions and then i met the most beautiful girl in the world who was a new christian and she told me that jesus was the messiah of the jews and i thought that was the craziest thing i ever heard actually people can read about this in our book and get on amazon it's called when heaven hits home uh, ancient wisdom for today's couples it's essentially a marriage book because i'm a marriage and family therapist by day but our ministry involves <clears throat> three prongs, basically, helping people understand the headlines through uh, the, the lens of scripture, and also helping families, reconciliation, marriages, and families. And then the, 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 the gem of what we love to do is uh, introducing Christians to Israel, introducing the Jewishness of Jesus to the church and to the nations. And so we have this three-pronged approach to what we do, and we've been at it for over 30 years and uh, not getting tired or bored because you know walking with Jesus to the adventure. I always marvel. I love what you said one time about I asked you what's it like to be with these sold-out missionaries and you said it was like pulling up to do a marathon and you look around and you're surrounded by Kenyans. I don't (laughs) feel like that. You know, uh, know, I'm surrounded by giants who are doing amazing things around the world, but uh, we just kind of do our little part and we're grateful to just be on the team, you know, to be uh, called by him and uh, he's been very, very gracious to us, supernatural provision in terms of revelation and uh, just the calling on our lives. And um, now we have the most important thing in our life, of course, is our new grandson. Our Woo-hoo! First
1: grandson, Congratulations.
0: Uh, Asher, thank you very much, Asher Samuel Weiss. He is six months old. He's probably the most beautiful baby ever created <laughs> on Earth. But, you know, it could be a matter of opinion. But that's what we do. Hey, yeah. I, I have we absolutely serve, serve, Yep, go speaking. ahead We also serve at one of the greatest churches in the world The Father's House uh, We have our own 501c3 We have our own ministry, our own uh, fundraising thing That we do into, to fund the missions That we do around the world But we also serve part-time at the, a great church uh, Here in California Called The Father's House So we run their Jewish services On t- first and third Fridays And you've actually spoken there
1: yeah, I just briefly I said hello. <laughs> I, I think.
0: No, you you showed a sort of you showed a video of dropping Bibles into a rock and are yes. still talking about it. Yeah,
1: that's that's one of my favorite videos to show because I just I I feel like the church is so often on the defense. We're always so worried yeah. about you know keeping the evil out. And okay, I I, I, I get it. I. I agree with that. But what about some offense every once in a while? What about the enemy being worried about keeping us out? What about invading his territory every once in a while just to, you know, get back? What about completing the Great Commission that Jesus gave to us? So I love sharing yeah. that video because uh, ISIS did so much damage. They, they raped so many amazing young people. Uh, vulnerable women they they killed so many fathers they enslaved so many young boys it felt good to invade their territory with the truth and set captives free i love that video
0: yeah i do too and i i just uh Regarding the offensive instead of defensive, I feel like we're, we're in a good moment right now. Two of my favorite local pastors are simultaneously, without any consultation, starting series on the essential understanding of the veracity of the Bible. It's basically getting back to basics and not letting culture shape us, but being in the line of shaping culture. Remember, it was Andrew Breitbart, one of the leading conservative thinkers who died young, he said that... Uh, Culture is, excuse me, politics is downstream from culture, and culture is downstream from religion. So if the religion that's being promoted out of Hollywood and elsewhere is secular humanism, then that's what's influencing politics and then culture. So so the opposite is also true. So there's creative things going on in the Hollywood area. Friends of ours are producing non junky things, you know, there's been a history of very terrible uh, Bible-based movies. And... Uh, they're really improving the quality of those. There's also a sense of people, uh, pastors now stepping up, getting back to preaching the word without compromise in a way that I think is very hopeful. But that's happening in California. I assume it's happening around the, around the country, maybe around the world. I know I know for your people, for the Chinese and the, the Iranian Church, and the, those that have come out of abject darkness, whether it's uh, atheism or. Islam, they are bold as lions. You know, that's not an issue. In, in America, in the West, you've gotten so weakened by compromise. So I remember taking back to the, the 1776 revolution in our country, breaking away from Britain, which is an oppressive state at the time to us, and the, the ministers were called the, 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 what were they called, the black-robed brigade. These guys would wear their black robes and get in the pulpit and be unafraid to connect the Bible with the culture. In other words, be, be political, politically incorrect. I don't want to say it, but we're seeing that right now. Those battle lines are shaping up. And I feel like the, the, the intimidation that we've suffered over the last number of decades is waning and people are of like, what have I got to lose? They're gonna hate me anyway. I might as well just tell the truth and be bold in love. You know, we don't hate anybody because we've been forgiven much. So we forgive much, you know, I, that's my stance. When I do my counseling practice, I think one of the reasons why it's been successful over the years, it's not because I'm a great counselor, it's because I come from such a broken place that I have no judgment on people, and I can let God do what he wants to do. And I get out of the way, and I see wonderful things happen in restoration. You know, it's so amazing to me also, Eugene, how, you know, our our movement with the restoration of Israel and our love for my Jewish people and our Arab cousins, it's so funny to me to see how, not funny, but poignant to see How, as God has fulfilled His promises to Israel, the fig tree blossoming, the restoration of the people to the land—that you can see worldwide revival tracking. And this one of my messages: concurrent blessings. When God blesses the Jews, He blesses the church. When He blesses Israel, He blesses the church. And I've been able to preach that in many places, and people kind of have a revelation that, oh my gosh, this Israel thing is not political. It's not current. It's an ancient prophetic. It's it's fulfillment ancient promises which means that the promises over my life can be fulfilled also
1: and you know it's so I mean this is we can we can we can talk about this you and I but it's not just theoretically it's not just this theoretical idea I can look at history and find all of the nations that shunned Israel attacked the Jews uh, they came crumbling down. And their people suffered f- from it, but then I can look at those nations that blessed Israel, blessed the Jews, e- e- embraced the the idea of the Jews uh, living and abiding in their homeland, and they, as a nation, were blessed because of it. Um, I there are so many questions that I have, but before we get into you know what's happening in Israel today, um, I just finished a dissertation. Uh, that I want oh, to, I, I want to run something by you, just because I found it. Uh, it was kind of this this click that hit, and I've just been uh, biting into it and absolutely loving it. So um, I have been basically since 2005 dealing with people that I really admire that just attacked us because they believe that Back to Jerusalem was a scheme to raise money. Uh, it was. Uh, premature. There's no way that the Chinese were mature enough or ready to go and preach the gospel into other areas. And Chinese pastors that I really look up to have written their own statements. Uh, One, not a part of the underground church. This is very official stuff. But one guy wrote, there's no biblical precedence for the idea of the gospel going westward. But then I got into out of nowhere just kind of studying everything that I could consume about the temple, the Jewish temple, and how it was so different than all of the pagan temples around the world in the way that it always faced the opening, the entrance was always facing towards the east, and that to approach God, everything always went from east to to west the entrance into the temple coming from the east the holiest of holies to the west and you make that westward movement then i began to study about the sacrifices of the animals and how that even went from east to west and that the Garden of Eden only had guards on the eastern side, that when man was banished, he was banished east. The further east you go, the further away you are from God. And to approach God again, you go from that east to western direction. And then looking at Cain after he killed his brother Abel, again, banished even further eastward. And so this whole idea of back to Jerusalem, of the revivals going westward primarily around the world and then approaching back kind of over that Mount of Olives in through the eastern gate of Jerusalem, back to the city where it all started again. I've been super excited. Deflate my balloon point out where I'm Not wrong? Not <laughs> <Okay. laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish I could, just for fun. But the reality <laughs> is that, That's you know, a friend. The book of Acts, That's a
1: friend, just for fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you read the book of Acts carefully, Paul was prevented from going east by the Holy Spirit, and God sent the gospel west, and it revives first eastern Europe, Greece, you know, and Mediterranean, and then it went into Europe and came to the New World, etc., and it's gone around the world, and it's absolutely rising in Asia, and coming back to Jerusalem. It's, it's just, it's the pattern of the Lord. You know, I don't see anything in it that, i you know, I understand being disappointed when people that you respect don't get it, or don't agree with you, or talk against you, because it happens all the time. Uh, the Church is rife with that kind of stuff. We, we say, in my world, we say, two Jews, three opinions. <laughs> you know, it's like... There's always going to be conflict around these things, but the reality of it is that God has actually gone around the world from east to west and is returning to the west through the east, coming from movements like yours, movement like the Back to Jerusalem movement, boldly preaching the gospel through the 1040 window and, and coming back to the eastern part of, of uh, coming back into Jerusalem. And it's the, it's the eastern gate that is the Messiah's gate. It's the golden gate. And so uh, the, the glory of the Lord went out through that gate of Ezekiel, and it's going to return with Yeshua when he comes back to earth. He's going to come back through that gate. And, uh, you know, we, we used to have one of our taglines for our ministry was Golden Gate to Golden Gate, because we're we're in the Golden Gate of San Francisco, but we're looking towards the Golden Gate around the world to the east, looking to the Golden Gate in in Jerusalem. So I, I have no qualms about what you're doing. I I love that you're d- diving deep into it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, nothing, and I can't. It's... I wish I could just say you here.
1: And, and you know, you you and I we we were together in a synagogue, and you were sharing uh, on the video that we did for the video series that we did, Chasing Revival. And you had talked about you know there is there there'll be this time where God will move among the Gentiles, and that there will be this time of the Gentiles that will be fulfilled before the the gospel comes back around to Jerusalem. Can you share a little bit about that? The the time of the Gentiles.
0: Sure romans 11 25 and 26 speaks about the fullness of the gentiles and people think well that means that that it's a fulfillment of uh, uh matthew twenty four ten that the gospel we preached around the world and all you know and then the end will come yes it is that in terms of everybody getting a, an, an honest witness about who the lord is that's true that's happening and that's by the way also this phenomenon of your hologram bible and the The phenomenon of the internet that's allowing that to happen in unprecedented ways. But the fullness of the Gentiles, I believe, also has to do with the revelation of the one new man and the the debt that the Gentile church has to the Jewish people and to Israel, to the patriarchs, to God's promise to Abraham, which is for a promised son, Messiah who's blessed the whole world, and the land that he also promised. And so the the fullness of the Gentiles, and we're seeing this. I have a great story about something I experienced recently, where we gathered just a small group, a few churches that are tremendous givers to Israel, gathered at Gateway Church in um, in Dallas. Uh, If you know Robert Morris' ministry, he is the one who gave the 1% challenge. They asked him, why is Gateway so blessed? And what, 35,000? There's nothing to churches in China that have millions of members. I get that. But he, he has 35,000 people on a weekend and a very large budget. He they, he was wrestling with the Lord, and the Lord showed him, the reason why you're blessed, Robert, is because you give your first to Israel and Jewish ministries, because that's my heart. And so uh, we were there with this group of large of. Big church, a small group of big churches who are already giving to Israel as kind of a think tank about how to get the message of this one new man about the, the importance of Jewish evangelism, the importance of presenting the Jewish Jesus back to his own people. Uh, you know, we see that in the book of Joseph, in the, in the story of, in, in Genesis of Joseph. The first time his brother was him, he looks like an Egyptian. But the second time, he looks like Joseph. And so the first time Jesus came, he looked like an Egyptian to us. He looked like a foreigner, like a Gentile, to the bulk of national Israel. We rejected him. But our rejection has been the salvation of the world. Our acceptance will be life from the dead. So the importance of Israel, the centrality of Israel, in conjunction with the gospel to the nations, is really of import right now and where we are in time. And so so we had this meeting, and these people are already asking questions of, of us Uh, how do we get this revelation into leaders, into the pastors, into the congregations? And so there's this stirring going on. And I believe the revelation of this end-time revival that's international is absolutely connected to the revelation in the church of where we come from. doesn't mean I need mean, to dress up like Jews and blow shofars and wave flags like we think messianic work should be. That, if you want to do that, fine. But that's not what Catherine and I do. What we do is say be yourselves, like Braveheart said to his guys. Just be yourselves. If you're Gentile, just be Gentile. If you're Jewish, be Jewish. We're culturally distinct but prophetically linked. And that revelation is growing around the world right now. There's great interest. In fact, our book, our, our counseling book, which is not just a marriage book, it has all kinds of helps in it about understanding the roots of the faith, It's now being translated to Russian, because the Russians have a tremendous interest in the Jewish roots of their faith. It's going on around the world. And so I think that it really is significant in terms of uh, the the commitment to world missions, commitment to what you do, that it's a both-and season that we're in. I was called God the God of both-and Maybe that's just my counseling thing, but I, it's hard for me to pick either or sometimes. It's like, you know, he's doing that and he's doing that at the same time. So we're totally excited about the, the way that the church is leaning into, and there's some aberrations and some weirdness and craziness that comes out of that, but uh, in terms of e- excessive Judaism in the church, which then leads to no Jesus, which I, well, as a Catholic, I've stood against forever, and I, I deal with that uh, pretty much on a regular basis when people get enamored of the sentimentality of Jewishness and the, the beauty of Judaism and the, the richness of Jewish teaching over the centuries. And they eventually wind up trying to be law keeping, uh, mosaic law keeping, uh, orthodox type Jews. And and there's no way that any of us can fulfill all the laws. There's 300, 613 laws. We can't do it. We break them. Therefore, we need Messiah. You know, it's pretty clear to me, having grown up in synagogue, that I needed Jesus. It wasn't clear at first, but it's clear to me now. So these folks that get enamored of this stuff, uh, it just it it's it very, very sad. Sometimes it splits up families. It's very, very sad. I was you know, through and I were ministering to the Nez Pierce tribe up in Idaho area, the Washington, Idaho area. And uh, they gathered all the churches, the the Native American churches and the regular folks, local local folks, uh, the howis, the white folks. And uh we, all the churches were gathered. They told me there was a guy that was coming in dressed like an Orthodox Jew, and he was kind of peeling people off to follow him and to become um, Torah-keeping Christians. And uh, the pastors were upset. They didn't know how to deal with it. So I said, let me handle this. So we did two days of marriage with them. You know That always softens people up. They, they love us, and they love, they're love they open to our message. And then Sunday, I go and I give them two barrels about Israel, I give them the full, the full deal. And Israel and the church and revival, and the guy, the all the pastors would get there as well as all the congregation. was a big group, and I said, "Look, I understand that some of you have gotten enamored of spiritual, of the, of the traditional, ritualistic, ceremonial beauty of Judaism, and it's displacing Jesus in your lives. And I want to tell you that if you really want to do that, uh, I will be holding a ritual circumcision after <laughs> the service." <laughs> and we will absolutely test your commitment. <laughs> pastors fell off the chairs. They were so happy, you know, that somebody dressed it from outside.
1: You know, you know I, I'm going to ask just to back up for a minute because you shared something that I thought was really powerful. I've never heard before. This idea where the family does not recognize the Messiah. They they recognize him as something that's foreign. Uh, And and you related that to the family of Joseph that does not recognize him. They recognize him as something foreign. And it's not till the second time that they see him that they recognize this is not a foreigner. This is a family member. Can you right. go just explain that? Because that I've never heard that before. That's a really, really powerful. I, that's what I love about the Bible. It works on so many different levels. It's not just the story yeah. that you're reading. Um, it can be for something that's a hundred years from the time that it was written, and a thousand years for the time that it was written. Yeah.
0: So I'll give you the brief version, but if people want to see the whole teaching, we give an eight program series where we were teaching on zola levitt presents years ago we did an eight program series called, called joseph dreamer redeemer and it, it's on youtube you can go on the zola levitt site uh, levitt ministries zlm levitt.com youtube and that might even be on our youtube i don't know but but the idea here is this that when joseph when the when the family first comes to him he's because he's become a leader in Egypt, he's become a, a, next to the king in Egypt. He's a he's a supreme overlord in Egypt, and he's changed his look. He's changed through the 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 ups and downs of his life from from the from the technical coat to the pit to the captivity to the, to the palace to Potiphar's house to the prison. And then to the palace of the king, up and down, up and down, which by the way, if you chart that on a graph, it looks like a crown. Hallelujah. And he's a type of Jesus. And so so when they first when the when the brothers first come to him because there's a family where they are, they come to Egypt for, for help and they don't know who he is. He knows who they are. But he's speaking Egyptian. He's he looks like an Egyptian. He is, you know, he is fully uh, unrecognizable. And that's a parallel for us as believers, for us as the Jewish people, not believers, for us as Jewish people, because the church was originally completely Jewish, but after 325 was completely Gentile with a few Jews so remnant here and there now and then, it, it always has always appeared to us as a foreign religion with a foreign leader. It's Jesus who became a Christian. You know, and and so we never we don't identify, we don't we can't recognize him. We don't we, we reject. And by the way, the persecution of the Jewish people by the Christian Church over the centuries has not helped. When when Jewish people look at Jesus BC before we get saved, before we understand who he is, we look at him. We see the the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the pogroms, and the Holocaust. So we think those are all Christian events, and so we have a, a just a visceral rejection. Of Jesus because he looks like an Egyptian. He looks like a Gentile. He looks like somebody born But the second time the family comes to see him he reveals himself He speaks to them in Hebrew and some of us believe he actually showed them That he was a circumcised brother and he in a very clear way He displayed who he was and they all lose it in love and and communion and repentance and togetherness because they recognize in fact he is their brother the parallel is the first time we didn't recognize him. Some of us did. The first church was completely Jewish, the early church. But but by and large, as a nation over the centuries, we rejected and rejected. And rejected. But the second time he comes, we're going to know He's him. he's ours. We're gonna look on him who we have pierced and mourn as if we're only son, because we will recognize and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and we will recognize that he came as the Lamb of God, but he's returning as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's ours.
1: That is such a powerful uh, yeah, so powerful. I, <laughs> I again. This is why I love talking with you. I've you you open up so many things that I've never even thought about before. You know, in showing that he is one of them, I never visualized the idea of him showing that he was circumcised. Because that now puts imagery in my head that I don't know if I'm going to be able to shake. I mean, just drop trowel in the middle of a room and say, hey guys, I'm one of you, look.
0: (laughs) It's it's apocryphal. We can't prove that. yes. yeah, no, it was I definitely evident to them on some level. There was evidence, uh, supernatural evidence, that in fact I am Joseph, your brother. Yes, and we're going to hear, we're going to see the people of Israel hearing and seeing. I am Jesus, your brother. I'm the firstborn of many sons, and I am who you've been looking for. I, I... Actually, I start to cry to say, "You."
1: Yeah, You know, you brought up something very interesting because I, I have some friends that are like that. Individuals that are just so passionate about the Bible that they end up going down those roads where they're like, we have to keep the Jewish law and we have to become law abiding Jews. And those individuals, I almost feel like are people that I, I, I'm sure you've met people that are on diets that whenever people go on a diet, all of a sudden they become food experts and they judge everybody and what everybody around them eats. Uh, to tell you, you know, what you're eating is really bad for your health. And let me tell you, because you know, I'm on this new diet. And people that are right. on new diets are usually the most annoying people to be around because they. <laughs> they,
0: unless, they you're, unless you're around, unless you're reform smokers. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, so that's that's one that I haven't really become familiar with, but I have become familiar with these with individuals that are like that that really start to embrace. Uh, the and and I am I really do um, appreciate the the roots of of our, of Christ and everything that we've been given. I I really appreciate the burden that the Jewish people have carried throughout history, so that I could have the truth. I mean, it really was not a fun time. I mean, if you want to talk about chosen people, um, they, <laughs> they could have gotten a better representative because they have really suffered throughout history like nobody uh, that you've ever seen. I mean, they just suffered over and over and over. And it really has brought to us the, the essence of the truth of the Messiah that gives the, the entire world the opportunity to have salvation. Um, yes, but, it does. At, but at the same time, like you were saying, there are nobody's able to keep all of the laws, especially those laws that have to right. do with the temple and sacrifices, and you know, not even the Jewish people can keep the laws uh, because it's not possible right now. You don't you don't have the temple, you don't have the sacrifices to be able to keep those. But when you come in contact with people that are non-Jewish. They, they they don't have that Jewish root as you did. You said you grew up in in, in, a, in, a, in a, a a a kosher home. Uh, you grew up you know studying the law, following the law in Little Israel, New York City. Um, how how do you 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 talked about you know ministering in a church? But how do you talk to these individuals on one on one if they come to you and say you know I really feel we should be following the law? How do you address that?
0: Well, you know, this is a really good question because I'm dealing with, right now, I'm dealing with a family that's being split because the husband has become one of those Gentiles. may have some Jewish blood somewhere in a fraction, but he's become so enamored and been swept up in a little cult-like setting where they preach that all Christians need to be Torah-abiding, Jewish-style believers. And there's a measure that eclipses God in the church, which is and diminishes the power of God in the church. I love what my my spiritual father in Israel, David Davis, he's with the Lord now. What he used to say was, Miles, for the full menorah, for the seven candelabra menorah to be lit around the world, being the oil of the Jews and the oil of the Gentiles. And plain dress-up is not that. It's a despite to the cross, and it's despite to the one new man of Ephesians 2:14. "Let Jews be Jews to the degree they want to be, and let Christians be Christians, and Gentiles be Gentiles together in the Lord." And, and do, when, when I, it's so painful for me Catherine, I've been dealing with this since we started this part of our work, when uh, somebody like this particular man I'm speaking about gets this revelation. Yes, we come from somewhere, but he's so adamant about it, that he'll abandon his family to spend of all of Saturday. He's got two young boys, abandon his family to spend all of Saturday with these cult-like uh, Jewish believers, Messian. I don't know what they call themselves, but they're basically uh, 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 kidnapping him, in a sense, and he abandons his family and refuses to go to church on Sunday with his family because churches are pagan. And it's so distressing to us. It's a, it's a very deep burden. you know, that's a very extreme case uh, that we're trying to reconcile. But but along the spectrum of how people serve and believe, uh, there's many, many ways that, first of all, that Jewish believers celebrate. Some are very, very synagogue, liturgical, old school, what I grew up with, and Jesus in, is in that. And some, like me, we're kind of like a Jewish-flavored church. You know, we... we Grew up in the when I got born again, I was 33 years old, so I lost a lot of years beforehand. But but we were born again into a very charismatic signs and wonders miracles, uh, just a very very strong sense of the supernaturalness of Yeshua of Jesus, and that's norm. That's a normative way of doing Christianity to us, including the power of the word, especially the power of the word. So. So we do it a certain way and there's a huge spectrum of how people do this. but when they go to the extreme of trying to pretend to be Jewish and to exclude uh, Jesus, then they might as well do what some have done, which is convert to Judaism. Jesus, which is really sad. I oh, yeah. think do this that is honoring of the Messiah and also honoring of the roots of the heritage that we come from.
1: Amen. Uh, let me let me now like change gears just a little bit and ask you uh, what is what is the latest from Israel? What is the what is the latest from um, the from that? I mean, we're looking at the coronavirus. Uh, we're looking mm-hmm. at Israel's biggest enemy, Iran. Really suffering from it? I just did an article a couple of days ago where three of their top leaders are now gone 8% mm-hmm. of their parliament now has the coronavirus it could even be possible that the ayatollah himself has been infected um this i mean this directly impacts israel this is one of this one of the nations that once israel wiped off the map what's the latest from the nation of israel what can you share with us
0: well there's Two, two major streams going on right now, actually more than two, but the, the two ones that are, in the, that are in the forefront are, of course, the. it's such a tiny place. You know, it's like the Bay Area or New Jersey. It's a tiny, tiny place. And so they have had to seal off their borders to try to contain this. They're also working on a vaccine, and they believe they're, they're approaching a vaccine, which would not surprise me at all. If the Israelis are the ones who call with the vaccine for coronavirus because they, you know, Jews are 0.02% of the population of the world and have 22% of the hard science and arts and medicine and literature and music uh, Nobel Prizes. Not the peace prize you give to Yasser Arafat or Barack Obama before he he got into office. Not those prizes. Prizes that have actually moved the world forward. Uh, 22% of Nobel Prizes over the last 100 years have gone to Jewish people. So I would expect, and I wouldn't be surprised, if Israel comes up with a vaccine sooner rather than later. But while that's in motion, uh, they've sealed off the country. People are not getting in or out. It's very serious. We're in touch with people in the land about that, and they are telling us that... it's kind of eerie. It's a little strange, but all of us, you and I, and everyone that I'm hearing is saying, "Let's live out of Second Timothy one seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, and that's what we're promoting. You know, yeah, let's be let's take precautions. Let's be wise. You know, uh, historical note: during the bubonic plague in Europe, uh, the Jews were blamed because we had the the kosher. The laws of hand washing rituals. We wash before, we wash after. There's all this hand washing going on. that still goes on in the Jewish world, and so the Jews didn't get the plague to the degree that the others did, and so the Jews were blamed for the plague. What else is new? <laughs> you know, that kind of a kind of a sport on planet Earth is to blame the Jews for everything. Anyway, so they're working on the coronavirus. That's in the forefront. The other thing is that it looks like they're moving towards a fourth election because Netanyahu got fifty eight. Votes, well, 58 support percent. So there's 120 members of the Knesset, the parliament. You have to have a majority to form a coalition or to either either be the coalition or form a coalition. It's got 58 percent. So the president, Ruvelin is trying to uh, promote some kind of a um, detente between Netanyahu's group and Benny Gantz's group, but it does not look promising. And so they're wearily looking towards a possible fourth election, which is just disturbing in the, while they're being, you know, threatened by on every side that they don't have a solid government to work from. So it's a very, very tenuous, but, you know, again, comes back to uh, biblical prophecy. Amos chapter 9 talks about at the end days that God's going to restore the tabernacle of David, which he's doing in worship in the church, but he's actually going to restore the Jewish remnant to worship him. And also... That he will plant us in the land never to be uprooted again. And so that is a set that is a done deal. We're there, we're not leaving. And the idea of having a partner for peace is just distressing because the, as Abi I, one of the early uh, leaders of Israel, said, the Arabs never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. So no matter what deal of what century is placed before the leadership of the Palestinian Arabs, uh, they will reject it because their goal is not a two-state or a shared state or a one-state or uh, none of those are real. The goal of the leadership and the jihadi mentality from the Quran is to wipe Israel off the map, and that is. And of course, the leaders, the people are not like that. People, they want peace, they want prosperity, they want to live, they want to raise their kids. There's so much of that when you talk with our Arab brothers, you know, or over there, our Arab cousins, and of course the believers, but any person you speak to. I just want to work and live and raise my family and live in peace. I, when we were doing television, you know, we had a Bedouin driving one time, he was assigned to us by the Ministry of Tourism. He would stop five times a day to pray. He was a devout Muslim. And he said to me, he pulled me aside one time, and said, Miles, where your people rule, order where my people rule chaos and very honest assessment of the Palestinian leadership whether it's in Gaza or Hezbollah in the north or or Abbas and his crew in the West Bank so-called which is actually the heartland of Israel Judea and Samaria called the West Bank uh, misnomer but Abbas they, those guys you know they they have a, a kleptocracy they're making millions The people are suffering, and if they were actually to concede to Israel, they would be assassinated, and they know it, by the ultra-jihadis. So, you know, it's a lock right now. I I just always tell people, hey, the only solution for the least is Sar Shalom, which is Hebrew for the Prince of Peace. Because when people are transformed individually, they love each other. It's amazing stories, I'm sure you've got them, about MBBs, Muslim background believers. Who come to the Lord, and then they are absolutely in love with their Jewish brothers. I mean, and vice versa. It's just a wonderful stuff that's happening, you know. But politically, they're a, they're in a kind of a lock, you know, kind of like coronavirus is locking down countries. The politics of Israel is locking down Israel right now. They really need a government now. I'm I'm a pro BB guy because I think he's the closest thing we have to Churchill. But he's been there ten years. And so some, many Israelis are kind of weary of the same thing. They want term limits or they want a diversion of the term limits where they could switch that out. But Benny Gantz running, in my opinion, is he's pretending to be center, but he's actually left. And uh, it's very similar to America. You know, the, the country is basically center and center right. But the media and loudest voices, cultural voices like Hollywood and New York, the loudest voices are extreme left. And they can pretend to be otherwise, but that's what's going on behind the scenes. So so we're watching, we're waiting, we're praying. We've got some strong believers in Israel. Oh, let me tell you this story. Uh, about a week ago, there was another rocket attack out of Gaza, hundreds of rockets. I don't even know if we got the news because of the coronavirus. But I got a call from uh, a text from my friend in uh, Ashdod. He's a leader, leading pastor. He's got a brilliant strategy of uh, getting Jewish, he's a Jewish guy, a leading pastor, and and, uh, his strategy is uh, that he brings non-believing Jews to his place and then provides, with help from the West and other places, provides uh, tours for them he takes them on a Bible tour of Jerusalem and the area and he goes through all the sites where Yeshua taught And he goes he basically gives them the gospel in the archaeology and the history of Israel which they have never heard of at all So he's having all his congregations growing by leaps and bounds and people are coming to faith It's just an amazing process so he called me and he said uh, Miles I need to tell you that we were under rocket attack and he was trying to encourage me in the West uh, with coronavirus and no pestilence will take you from, from the scriptures and, and uh, Psalm 91, you know, no, nothing will harm you. He said that he, uh, hundreds of rockets came, they landed pretty much safely, not a lot of damage was done. They usually land in fields, I don't know if that's God's hand or, or, or God's in incompetence or whether they're afraid to actually hit something, unless the, the retaliation will come, I don't know. But he said, Miles, a, an arrow rocket, a rocket. Landed right next to my car and didn't explode. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know I can't the- wait to tell that Friday night. I'm going to do a forum service. We've been doing forum <laughs> services for a couple of weeks for Feast of Esther, and I'm going to talk about how God, you know, aim, can preserve you. You know, Paul said to live as Christ, to die as King. Worst case scenario, I'd go to heaven. You know, couldn't do that. You know, I just, I feel like, you know, God wants us here to do what he's called us to do. So he, absolutely the hand of the Lord, preserves his life because he is doing the work of the Lord. He is preaching the gospel to the Jewish people, leading to a revival in Israel, which will be concurrent with a revival around the world, which will then bring the return of the Lord.
1: You know, um, my my wife's um, aunt, uh, who's in Finland, Yesterday, I believe it was. My wife is very close to me, so she can correct me if I'm wrong. It's either yesterday or the day before. Um, she was going to go see her daughter uh, in Israel. So her, her daughter married a Jew, and they live in. It. Her her husband is with the military; is one of the guys that designs the cameras for the drone systems uh, that the Jewish uh, army uses, and they live in a community that's known as a settlement. Uh, community. So they're one of, they're one of the the people that moved into the areas that the world has just been, the, the, the international community has been harping on for quite a while. Um, and so mm-hmm. they're they're basically considered to be people occupying um, uh, Palestinian territory because they're a part of the Israeli uh, settlement uh, groups. So she was getting on a plane yesterday or the day before, uh, going to go see her daughter. It's my it's my wife's first cousin. And uh, she was taken off the flight because uh, they had to give her seat to an Israeli uh, because there are so many Jews around the world that are trying to make it back to Israel during this time of of uh, a coronavirus. And um, yep. uh, it. That, that brings me to a, a situation that I, I want to ask you about because you're an American, you're also a Jew. Um, one of the candidates in the U.S. who's Jewish, uh, Bernie Sanders, is against the idea of uh, the Jewish occupation. Uh, in areas that is considered to be Palestinian territory, uh, what is what is your thoughts as a as a Jew? Or, I mean, I know that you're not the the expert on all crazy Jews out there, but on Bernie Sanders, uh, what is what is kind of your feelings about him? Because I mean, this was this is a candidate that is still in the game. He's making it pretty far in the Democratic primaries. Um, He is a he is a a Jewish believer. Uh, Jewish. uh, He has um, you know very close. It's not just like distant family members that were in the Holocaust, but people that are very closely related to him that suffered in the Holocaust. what it, what's your feelings on on a representative like a Bernie Sanders? Because you you brought up you know talking about the politics in Israel and people being far left, which almost seems to be forgive me. I mean maybe I'm ignorant, but it almost seems to be anti-Jewish in some ways.
0: Well, you remember that the, when the state was founded, uh, there were many immigrants that came from Russia and socialist backgrounds. So the early Kibbutz movement was very socialistic in its. Motif, you know, in his way of living. Bernie Sanders is not a Jewish believer. He's a Jewish believer in Karl Marx. He's a Jewish believer in the Soviets and in Cuba and in Venezuela. He's a Jewish believer in extremely far left. Uh, ideology, and so he. he uh, if I want to bump this up and refer. You know, I like to blame up. I would refer your listeners to Ben Shapiro, who's a lot smarter, a lot <laughs> Yes, walker, yes. And, and but just really bead, quick, as an Orthodox Jew, when, when, when a you on Sanders, that is just hilarious. When, so, when you talk you just, about Marxism, you know
1: that, is is Judaism and Marxism mutually exclusive?
0: they should be because Judaism focuses on the power and the, and the importance of God and God's and the individual's relationship to God the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob whereas Marxism puts the the government in God's place and we're all supposed to grow the government and, and serve the government I mean you're facing in China every day all day I mean that's the that's the out the the, the current Atheistic control of individual lives and the displacing of God and the, the this re- crazy idea that we are the be all end all and the highest authority that's in Chinese government right now is what Bernie Sanders would be moving us towards. They just know better than the people, you know. They just are better at whatever. It's you know, an elitist, fascistic mentality that that comes across in his case as a kindly old uncle, you know. And but it's complete. Excuse me, which is complete um, not true. <laughs> and,
1: uh, <laughs> Wise choice of words. Wise choice of words. On the move.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a close. That was a close one. But anyway, uh, you know, he called himself the. He calls. Uh, he is the, the twin brother, the American twin brother, or some phrase like that, of Jeremy Corbyn.
1: Who just wow. Was being
0: defeated and ousted. Wow.
1: Yeah, and someone who has said media. the most uh, horrible anti-Jewish – I mean, this he, yeah. I mean, he is not anybody that – I'm surprised that it wasn't advertised more about some of the anti-Semitic remarks that he is responsible for saying.
0: Well, you only hear in the alternative press, the Daily Wire, which I recommend to your friends, is uh, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh uh, – uh michael knowles they're all like it's a great group by the way just in terms of strange bedfellows, i love this andrew Clayton is a jew who found who christ found he's a famous uh, screenwriter uh, and a novel writer he's a jewish guy who uh, Found the Lord, or the Lord found him. Now he's a kind of an Episcopalian or Presbyterian, some mainline denomination. Just funny. Then Ben Shapiro, an Orthodox Jew. Then Dave Rubin, who's a gay conservative. And then Michael Knowles, who's a born again Catholic, et cetera, et cetera. So this is like eclectic group of strange bedfellows that are all realizing that 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 God and culture need to be. Reintroduced to America, in spite of what the media says. The reason why this stuff doesn't get out is because the media is totally in the bag for the Democratic Party, and so they're going to protect whoever they think the presumptive uh, candidate is. So that for a while it looked like it was Bernie. He's not. He's out. By the way, as of as of this uh, two days ago, he's not going to win. Whether he will actually step down or continue his nothing, rhetoric is hard to say. But it looks like they're putting their faith, or they're they're putting their They're not faith, not hope, not love. They're putting their cunning behind Joe Biden, which is a terrifying thing, because what they're really, I believe, what they're really setting up to do is to have a guy who's in in decline, has cognitive issues, probably dementia, possibly possibly Alzheimer's. They're going to put him in. Hopefully he'll beat Trump because he's good old Joe. And they're going to have a vice president in place that will satisfy their long term agenda when he fails and, and the next person becomes vice president. And, you know, I'm sorta of conspiratorial. I'm a little rational, you might notice, but I'm a little conspiratorial too. And and I, I wouldn't put it past, I mean, you look at the Clintons and the history of the, the the corruption and the way that people disappear and the way that things change and the way that you know, we don't know the full story. Uh but forces that be, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow something happens to Joe Biden and whoever they're putting in as vice president is the one who steps up. And that's a terrifying thought. That's why I'm asking people directly. My wife broke all the church rules last Friday night and just said, we need to pray for President Trump. We need to back those." She just came out of the closet completely. So, of course, <laughs> wow. most of the people yeah,
1: and you're in California, too. I mean, you're not in an area that, you know, really embraces Trump. Well, to say the least, <laughs> yeah, to say the least,
0: ninety percent of the Bay Area voted for Hillary
1: Clinton. You know, I don't know if if you are familiar with Dennis Prager, but one of the things mm-hmm. that I have really loved about him because he was he was also very focused on working with Soviet Jews and helping them get, you know, immigrated and settled and those kind of things, and. He said something very interesting in a teaching that he was doing not too long ago. He actually says it quite often, and I, I, I really thought this was powerful. I would love to run it by you and kind of get your thoughts on it, but he said, because he he really talks about the impact that Christians have had. Now, you talked about you know the normal Jew seeing Christians uh, wrapped in the, uh, the experiences, uh, the horrible experiences of things that happened during the crusade, things that happened during the Holocaust, and... And Dennis actually shares about, um, you know, how Christian areas, if they're truly Christian, actually are a massive blessing to the Jewish people. And he said, yeah. that a, a, a Christian pastor once told him, Dennis, nothing would make me happier than seeing you come to the Lord. But I would also be saddened because you're one of the best voices out there for the Christian people because he's going out there to bat every day you know, talking Mm -hmm. about the impact that Christians have on the Jewish people and the, the, the land, Mm -hmm. because I mean, the two are inseparable. Um, I think that's why the enemy is working so hard to separate the people from the land, because that's God's ultimate plan is to, you know, have his people and the land that he claimed them to have from the very beginning that would march us all to the, the return of the Messiah. Um, he, he talks about that. And I, that's that's one of the reasons I brought up Bernie Sanders, by the way, is because there's almost something in his speech when talk because I just did a live interview from a, a sister who does a, she runs an organization called the church for Israel. She's one of the representatives at APAC. So I talked to her live from APAC for mm-hmm. our, our podcast mm-hmm. and, um, and, and uh, it, it, you know, Bernie, I would think would be one of the people that would be there, you know, Jewish Americans, uh, talking about the importance of the 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 impact of the Jewish people, Israel as a country, um, but Prager. Is really one of those people that talks about you know the the positive impact that Christians have had with the Jewish people as well as standing up for the the land that God has given to the Jewish people. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but I love kind of where he comes from when he talks about Christians having a backbone, standing up politically. Culturally, socially, religiously, uh, and 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 being a voice for the Jewish people and the homeland of Israel. Not not you know saying that you know as Christians we need to all like you said go and blow the chauffeur and and wear Jewish clothing. Um, I'm not one for a Jewish diet. Um, I believe that God made me the way that I am. I really love bacon and cheese with my hamburger, um, but with. Dennis, I love what you know, where he stands when he points to Christians that are supporting Israel and the Jewish people wholeheartedly, all, all all hands on deck, uh all in on this, you know, uh uh campaign.
0: Yeah. So first of all, Dennis Prager, I listen to him every day on the radio and this also sometimes on podcast. Oh, wow. Uh he is a he's a giant. Not physically, and he's also a giant intellect, he's a giant Bible scholar, He is amazing, he's a linguist, he speaks five languages, he is a musician, he's a conductor of orchestras, he's a renaissance man of the first order, I have the greatest respect for him, and I happen to agree with him, but the, the, yeah, he, he's in good, co- good company because Bibi Netanyahu, Prime Minister of Israel, has said our, our only and our best friends in the world are Bible-believing Christians. And that's the key, because, yes, we have this horrible history, but we are definitely in restoration right now as we move towards the return of the Lord. And the restoration is the Jews to the land and the church to the revelation of their debt to the Jews. So the church that's getting this message that Captain and I have been thumping for 30 years uh, is absolutely alive and in love with the Jewish people, and in love with Israel. And, and we celebrate that. But, you know, there's also mainline denominations giant swaths of Christianity that are still completely anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. You know, in fact, here's an example. I did a, a, a wedding at a Methodist, a Methodist and and uh, people that were in our, part of our congregation, they were getting married in their, their family's home church, part of our Messianic congregation, and so I did my Jewish part of the ceremony and the pastor did his part, and we did this thing. And, uh, but when I was getting ready to do it, I looked up about the history of Methodism and what's going on. By the way, I used uh, Charles Wesley's hymns to preach to the UK about the restoration of Israel. And Charles and, you know, John Wesley, his brother, founded the Methodist work. So they're very anti Israel, they're very anti Semitic. But within that denomination, there's this cult or group of pro Zionist. Uh, Methodists that are kind of like holding the fort in this small group in the midst of that giant denomination that's anti-Semitic There's a uh, there's anti-Israel They would say although Martin Luther King Jr. Said to make no mistake about it to be anti-Zionist is to be anti-Semitic People try to separate those two so I completely agree with Dennis Prager There is a living growing body within the body of people who get that we come from somewhere And we have as Paul said in Romans fifteen twenty-seven, he said we have, if you've received spiritually, we have a debt to give materially, and that's what we're seeing: people helping the Jews get back to Israel, people helping the Africans, the Ethiopians get back to Israel, people helping the Russians get back, people supporting ministries in Israel, social work in Israel. Well, that's all coming from Christians. I mean, most coming from Christians. Of course, there's some Jewish people that are Gazillionaires that are helping also, but there's absolutely a growing movement of appreciation. For the family of God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob has Judah. Judah has David. David has Israel. I'm skipping generations, but you get the lineage. You know that Jesus comes from somewhere. Yeshua comes from somewhere. He comes from Abraham, and we are grafted in. Years ago, I took fifty pastors to Israel with Rosemary Schindler. We went into the Knesset, and Benny Alon, who was the—he's an Orthodox rabbi. He's, he's gone now, passed on, but. Orthodox rabbi, ministry of tourism, we were in there. He said to my pastors, he said, we are the children of Abraham and you are the children of Abraham by faith. And in that making this a one family thing, people of the book are one family thing. And the closer we get to the return of the Lord, the more we're both going to be persecuted. But we haven't learned that yet in America. You certainly know it in China, we will be persecuted more the more we stand up for our faith. But it will also drive the Jewish ones who believe in the God of the Bible and the Christian ones who believe in the God of the Bible will drive us closer together, which I believe is setting the stage for the Jewish people to be influenced by the Holy Spirit in the Christians to turn to our own Messiah. Oh, by the way, I love what uh, your friend said about today's prayer, because that happened to me years ago. We're hosting Avi Lipkin, who's an author and an expert on Islam in Israel, and his wife is an interpreter of the Arabic press for the government of Israel. So she's at the front lines of the, you know, the battle in the media. And and so Avi's a character. He's a wonderful guy, a great writer. And he's very very strong about the connection between Israel and the church. And so I I I was with him. And we, I drove around for a few days, we went and did meetings. I took him to a Kojo restaurant in, in San Francisco and we just kind of smoothed it up and we were laughing and enjoying life together. And he said to me, he said, miles, if you love me, you'll preach to me. I'm not going to, he's an Orthodox Jew. I'm not going to believe, I don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, but if you love me and that's the most important thing in your life, then you will preach to me. So this kind of like fresh new understanding of uh, this connection between Christians and Jews that has been dormant for 2,000 years, 1,700 at least, possibly closer to 2,000, but, you know, from Constantine forward for sure. But, you know, the Church has lost its Jewish roots, and and the Jews have lost their Jewish Messiah. So now God is bringing us in contact with each other. So we're kind of mixing it up, and the discussions are now... um, Civil and in many cases, like the, Prager, the example of Dennis Prager, uh, absolutely gra- grateful, infused with gratitude because we realize that oh my gosh, the Bible-believing Christians really love us, and that's ne- we're not familiar with that.
1: You know, you had you you talked about you know with um, with the uh, the the Jews that are returning back to Israel. Um, and you had mentioned, you know, many of them coming from Ethiopia. I think that that's a that's a big shock to many people. I was studying, you know, in, in doing uh, this new book that will be coming out this year and about back to Jerusalem. I've been studying Zionism, and one of the things that shocked me, I don't think, um, you know, I really noticed it before because I hadn't really studied it. But um, when you read anything that has to do with the Holocaust. Uh, when you read about the history of China, which you know is something that I study a lot about the the rise of communism inside of China, one of the first things they did in the Holocaust, one of the first things they did during the uh, Mao Zedong's takeover of China, is they they did book burnings where they tried to take the history of of the people and they burn they they would burn the books in these you know, these big bonfires uh, in society. And that's something that we don't really think of today. But, you know, entire libraries were thought to be unnecessary because Google did this project where they went through and they photographed so many books and they were they they really presented themselves as the library of tomorrow where you don't have to go to a library, you know, in your in in town and get these old dusty books that have been kept for years and years and years that they can have all of the world's library basically online. But then yeah. When I start doing, you know, research on Zionism, whether it's YouTube, whether it's Google, wh- whatever it is, I have to go three or four pages deep just to get into the, the material that is pro Zionist. The anti Zionist right. material is, is stacked knee deep in everything that I'm doing. The, the Zionist material has been done away with for the most part. And that is a modern day book burning. It's a modern day book burning because if you consider that to be the main resource and that resource no longer has those resources, you've just gotten rid of a ton of information on another side. So I you know I was I was doing the study of Zionism and I I came across Operation Solomon, Operation Moses, I don't know if you're familiar with these, but this is secret operations that were done in the 1980s to airlift 20,000 Ethiopians to Israel. It's an amazing story. Uh, but as I was looking, because uh, the the ideas of Zionism go very much in line with back to Jerusalem. Now the Chinese do not have a vision to get on airplanes and fly to Israel and become Israeli citizens. Instead, they have the vision to minister to all of the nations in between China and Jerusalem. But. Everybody has that part to play in the fulfillment of the last days for the return of the Messiah. And the Chinese believe that their role is not exclusively, but to play a part together with the world body, the church, to minister to all of the unreached people groups, to bring about Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, to preach to all the nations So that the end will come so that the Messiah will return again when Jesus is explaining that. So when you talk about, you know, the return of the Jewish people to Israel, this is such an important part for Christians to understand. And yet the enemy is actively destroying this material. And it's done quietly. It's because it's not there's there's not pictures to be taken as there were during the Holocaust, as there were during the time of the communists burning books, you know, at the reign of Mao Zedong, so that you have kind of this memory, these pictures of knowledge that was being burned because it was so offensive to the 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 people group that were trying to perpetrate evil onto the people. It was that the, the knowledge of that information was so uh, the 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 idea of it was was so offensive that they had to get rid of it. That's still happening today. Um, Absolutely, and, 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 yeah. George please.
0: Orwell in his book 1984, he said, "Who controls the past controls the future. Who controls the present controls the past." And so, what you're talking about, and what this, these media giants are doing, these internet media giants are doing, uh, and we see it all over college campuses in America is, you know, some of these young people coming up, they, they don't know any history. They're not taught any history in American schools. And so they come up and they're totally vulnerable because they're all plugged in 24-7. They're totally vulnerable to whatever the narrative is that is being foisted upon them by these giants. And it is it is a digital uh, book burning that's going on, just like in communist, in communist world, just like in the fascist world with Nazi Germany. There were literal book burnings because... If you can control or erase the history, you can control the present. And if you can control the present, you can control the future. And that's what's going on right now in the mentality of uh, the college in America. It's devastating because people from my generation, and we were raised, you know, peace, love, and tie-dye, and tune-in, turn-on, drop-out, and anti-everything, done. many of us, like Bernie Sanders are socialist oriented and anti God, anti Bible, et cetera, which I was too before I became a believer. So understand the mentality, but what that does is we've raised a a generation of people other than here and there now, man, a few homeschoolers and a few kids like mine that were raised with Arabs and Jews day and night. You know, they are raised with no understanding of history and therefore are completely vulnerable to whatever pitch is coming from giants like Google in concert with fascistic government is like the communist Chinese. So, yeah, it's a very real thing. You got to dig. That's why I think what you're doing, what I'm doing in a small way is very, very important in that we're keeping the past alive, researching it, rehearsing it, and letting people know. That's why I'm so grateful for bigger voices like, like Daily Wire, like Dennis Prager, and others that are out there, you know, keeping history alive and trying to point people to the fact that. Not only does the church come from somewhere in the Jewish people, but America comes from somewhere in the Bible, you know, and that there are, you know, there, the precedents are real. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, we, Catherine and I, we pray all the time about the next generation. My son, when he went to college, he was so frustrated. He he was in a business uh, program. He was so frustrated that he started a, a nonprofit called Emmet, which is the Hebrew word for truth. He, he called it uh, education for Middle East truth, and that's truth. And he, he it would actually bring people, speakers in from Israel,
1: under oh, awesome. rocket
0: fire in awesome. Gaza, to speak to the to speak to the campus to let people know that there's another side of what they're hearing on awesome. the campus about the uh, Palestinians for social justice and Ladi that this junk that's going on. That's just basic anti Semitism. The frightening part in America right now is that it's in our Congress. And the Democrat Party is moving in that direction. That's why I'm really, on a certain level, grateful that Sanders is not going to get nominated, but because uh, he's the most obvious anti-Semite, you know, self-hating Jew in the in the political realm. But I'm very concerned about this economic downturn and what it might mean for President Trump and the fact that they've got. Biden set up as a straw man and they're going to sneak in some vice president who will take over. It's like a, you can't make it up. It's like a Manchurian candidate or something. It's like totally weird. So I'm I'm in this watch and wait and pray kind of a place right now. Yeah, I just, great.
1: I you know, I have seen history again and again and again. Bless the nations that bless the Jews, and I have not been a Trump supporter, as you know from the very beginning, but as I've seen our nation be more of a blessing to Israel, I just really believe in the concept that come hell or high water— will do okay as long as we continue to bless God's people. And so, I, you know, the, these these oppositions, the, the daily uh, news that I'm hearing, I kind of just stand in faith that history has pointed over and over and over again. I have no reason to doubt now um, that God will somehow change his ways from the way that he's been forever. Now, I want to be... Um, uh, sensitive to your time I know that you're busy uh, but for those that are wanting to know more information uh, to find out if they want to listen to your podcast if they want to read the book that you were sharing about that you and your wife Catherine your amazing wife Catherine I tell her hello for me when you see her again hello. Um, And but hello. can you just share with our audience where they can find more information about you in the
0: simplest way is just Five letters, M K H O P, Miles Catherine House of Peace. And so if you go to mkhop.org, you'll be connected to all of our YouTube teachings, to our television stuff, podcasts, books. You can buy our book from that site, or can buy it from Amazon. Uh, So that's basically the central place that we are. And we have a lot of tendrils that come out from there into other media and other congregations and things that we do everywhere. But uh, that's the easiest way. Miles Catherine, House of Peace, or Miles and Catherine Weiss. But the easiest way, M-K, Miles Catherine, H-O-P, House of Peace, dot org. And, find us. and, and by the way, if you find us, send us an email, at info at, send us an email, tell, tell us that you, you heard us with Eugene. Because I would love to uh, pull the wagons in a circle and make that connection. But I'm looking forward to when we get our podcast up and running to having you uh, call in and we can do this on ours as well.
1: Would love that. Would love that. So if you're listening and you want to hear more about Miles and what he's teaching, I highly recommend going to mkhop.org or milesandcatherineweiss.org. They have a book called When Heaven Hits Home. Ancient Wisdom for Today's Couples, an amazing uh, book about marriage and the Jewish uh, roots of our faith. Also, if you are like me and you want to hear more about what Miles had just shared on this podcast about the, the idea, the revelation that you have with Joseph and the nine-part series that he has, you can just look it up on Google. It'll take you to Levit.tv, and there is the nine-part series of Joseph of the dreamer redeemer thank you so much brother for being with us again and thank you for just being open to share all of the things that god has been moving on your heart um you know for the last who knows how many years but also what's happening today really really appreciate Uh, it love you and are just uh, so excited to have you back with us
0: same here blessings on your family beautiful wife and children and uh stay in touch Shalom Shalom
1: yes absolutely thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast again I'm Eugene Bach your host for this time coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Sweden God bless you